0: Welcome to Follow Your Curiosity, where we explore the inner workings of the creative process. I'm your host, Nancy Norbeck. My guest this week is actor Richard Oliver, whose experience covers the gamut. Film, TV, stage, commercial, audio, and even video games. He also directs for his own theater and teaches acting. Richard has been named Best Actor by the New York City Indie Film Awards and was a finalist for Best Actor from the Lockdown Festival. While we connected online thanks to the Minister of Chance, a Doctor Who spin off audio series, here we talk about everything from whether drama school is really necessary, to the ways punctuation and breathing can help illuminate a character, to the importance of having fun with whatever you're doing, and everything in between. And we do also get into the birth of the Minister of Chance, both the character and the series and its future. Here's my conversation with Richard Oliver.
1: Thank you for for for, for asking me, because usually he's usually done. I think Dan gets a little shy talking to people, so <sighs> so I'm his sort of surrogate every time. You know what I mean? Every time <laughs> there's an interview, he's like, right, Rich, you you've been with us for a while. Can you go and um, will you please? I
0: see. So I can (laughs) ask you all of the Minister of Chance questions then.
1: I think so. I think I might be able to answer a lot of them because I've been, um, I've been lucky that, uh, well, I I was friends with, with Dan first. So, um, so I've known Dan probably best part of 18 years. And then it was kind of, from that friendship, then obviously found out I was an actor. And then that's how we we kind of started working together, so you know he's quite good. Down with that, you know, he's quite honest in his casting, and he, you know, and he sort of said, "Look, if if there's something that I think is definitely for you, then you know I'll cast you." So, so that's so I've been involved in pretty much every like or not all his audio, but pretty much like the minister, like September, and then his his theatre works. Um, you know that's how I kind of ended up ended up involved, so it's been, it's been quite good really
0: That's really cool, and I want to get back to that, but let's let's back up to how it is that you ended up in acting in the first place. Were you the kind of kid who just knew from uh, the very beginning or
1: I don't know really it's funny i' always I'd always say it's probably because I wasn't particularly academic at school even though i enjoy you know i can't you know it's stupid because when you look back you always think, oh why didn't i why not just try harder you know i could do all mm-hmm. that. i could do those things um and i just ended up in a in a in a play at school and then from there um one of the um the teachers who was directing um just kind of said look i think you might have a chance at maybe maybe doing this so she kind of took me under a wing i joined um a youth theatre manchester youth theatre um from being about 15 up to 20 and then you know she guided me through auditions for drama school so so it was, wow. funny, it was funny really where i suppose i'd not it i don't know it was just it was never really a, a choice to say oh, I i just found that it was i had a little go i enjoyed it and just and just wanted to do to do more so so i think it's more probably accidental than <laughs> you know and then you get to a point where you've been doing it twenty years and you're like you know you think to yourself well well actually there's not you know it might be a bit too late to change so <laughs> we'll, we'll keep we'll keep on this journey now and see and see where it takes us but looking back though i've always you know and i even though i say probably high school looking back I've always, you know, whether it was junior school, always been involved in performance or little plays or, you know, the experience of line learning or performing at a you know in a community show with the school. So even say prior to me acknowledging it around that sort of fourteen, fifteen age, looking back, i probably always performed, you know, always kind of had had one hand in a performance of some mm-hmm. somewhere. So so it just kind of just seemed that um, a natural, a natural thing to 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 kind of to kind of pursue, and I, and I think the fact that it's I quite enjoy the ch- the challenge as well of the you know of the difficulty, the difficulty of it. I don't know, I don't know why I enjoy that. Most people would probably go, <laughs> <laughs> oh, go in. This is too hard. But um, but yeah, I think it was just more more by accident than than choice i think mm-hmm.
0: yeah. so when you say you enjoy the challenge of it does does it motivate you or is it just hey yeah. i can i can do this hard thing and therefore <laughs> i'm going to no, i
2: think i think
1: it's a great motivator because i suppose in in ordinary professions um you know you get a job and that lasts for that lasts a lifetime you know in most instances and you mm-hmm. I suppose there's a structure there where you climb the ladder, you know, you might start as the T-boy and end up the CEO where, where obviously with this, every, you know, every job you have to find, you know, mm-hmm. job's gone, that's it. You're back unemployed and you've got to, you've got to discover, discover another job. So I think it's a great, you know, I think that, that definitely is a, you know, is an exciting, motivating thing because you never, I suppose in a way, you never quite know what, what project you might be on, you know, and it's like you know, even sort of the, my friendship with Dan that then turned into, you know, some of the actors that that I've had the experience of working with, you know, are just are, are just phenomenal, you know, actors from all over the world, you know, big names, you know, like Sylvester or Paul McGann or you know these these amazing actors, um, and and again, it's it, it, that's what I love about it is is that you just don't. You just never quite know mm-hmm. what next, and uh, and where that's gonna gonna take you in terms of who you might meet, or you know. So, so, I, so I, so I like all you know as well as it is a job. I do quite enjoy the challenge of the of, of the industry and like, and trying to kind of you know navigate your way,
2: mm-hmm.
1: way 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 through it. So, so yeah, I do find that's quite. That's quite cool. It's well, kind of that, an adventure. Yeah. Well, that, And that's the thing as well. You never quite know, you know, like, you never know where you're going to travel to as well, I suppose. You know, especially, you know, a lot of filming jobs are, are abroad now or even, you know, even getting down to London or Edinburgh Fringe or, you know, it's a nice, exciting, exciting life. Or filming, you know, even filming, you know, like when we were doing the, we, we recorded a, a sizzler, film for the minister um so we were up out by Pepperton castle which i think it was they'd filmed um i think it was where they'd used it as a location for robin hood prince of thieves i think you know the kevin, okay. castle, mm-hmm. kevin so We're up in this these glorious hillside you know overlooking by this castle even though it's like i think it was victorian times but it, i mean it, they built it like like a castle you know so i think that that that's always exciting as well you know just getting to visit places that that you might you know but i would never think to myself oh do you know what I'll go for a little little walk up and in there you know like mm-hmm. as entertainment for myself but but you know that's exciting as well i suppose not you know sort of being able to to sort of play in and act in all these different places and environments you know so so yeah i do find it all exciting i think
0: (laughs) so it's exciting enough that it overshadows the what i i shouldn't categorize it this way yet i want to say perpetual rejection obviously it's not perpetual but still it's it's a much more rejection filled career than a lot of them
2: yeah and
1: i think i think i think for me i think i kind of tell myself that you know if a job's got my name on it it's got it's got my name on it so i never feel like you know although the rejection i guess is hard you know like like i just do i just i got recalled for a really amazing play and i got down probably to the last couple and i didn't get it in the end but you know and there is part of you that thinks oh damn. but <laughs> you're prepared you know it's one of those where i think you know actually when i prepare for an audition i prepare as much as it as I can, you know, so so it's one of them where I think, if as long as you know you've done your absolute best and you're prepared, then you can kind of walk away. I suppose if you don't get a job and say, well, well, do you know what? At least I've I've, I've given that my full mm-hmm. you know, my full my full focus. And as well with this industry, you know, it's you know, for every job you don't get, there's a there's that potential that that director might bring you back, you know, so it's, so I see, although it is a lot of rejection, um, sometimes those rejections can turn into something a bit, you know, a bit further down the line. Mm-hmm. So I don't really find myself ever getting, getting miserable about, about it. Because I think it's that thing, like, suppose I'm lucky that I always, apart from during the, well, even during the pandemic, cause I'm still doing some stuff for Minister of Chance, but... You know, I, I always try and find projects that interest me as a person, you know, and that mm-hmm. I want to explore. Um, so, you know, I'd probably say that I'm always working on something somewhere, even it might not be, you know, and I think that's the thing sometimes, isn't it, with, with that, to just, you know, the first thing people say to me, oh, what have you been in? Have you been on telly? Have you been in you know, like we have this big soap called you know, Coronation Street. You been mm-hmm. in Coronation Street, and it's like, I think sometimes it, you know, I've tried not to allow that to define me, just because I'm not <clears throat> been on, say, I don't know, EastEnders,
2: mm-hmm. doesn't
1: mean you're not an actor, you know, and it right. doesn't mean that, that you're not working as, a, as an actor just because you have not, you know, I think sometimes you know it's, it's interesting. It kind of wonder whether people, you know, feel that if you've not got that high celebrity status, that you some that you somewhat failed in your, <laughs> you know, failed in your career, maybe. Um, but I'm really lucky that, like, say, you know, I've been able to do, to do the, the audio stuff. You know, I've done commercials. I've done theatre. You know, we own a small theatre where, where I live, which unfortunately is short at the minute. Um, uh, so yeah, so I'm really lucky that my journey has taken me but you know it's not just one area i've been lucky that i've been able to explore
2: you mm-hmm.
1: know lots of different things so i did a video game and a feature film a horror film that's coming out uh next year so again it's all different you know Compare that to say the minister you know the audio it's all very different you know different different themes on the same you know the same kind of work as an actor so so yeah so i guess i'm kind of lucky in that respect that that this this year probably and probably because of the pandemic thing has been the longest probably that I've not really had you know mm-hmm. a, job, a job to job to job but that's just because nobody's you know it's more right it's more just because of what's going on than you know than say because there isn't any you know because the work isn't isn't there so mm-hmm. yeah so that's been an interesting year um in that respect just sort of but, you know, I'm very lucky that that this has been the longest time that I've not, you know, and that's kind of beyond my control, really. So, so again, I can't really, can't really moan about that because it's <laughs> hopefully not my
2: fault.
0: <laughs> it is what it is for all of us, I think. It's Certainly it's longer than a lot of us had expected or hoped. I
2: know
0: but so. people are doing such clever things like, it, you know, staged with David Tennant and Michael Sheen that. You know, they did mostly over Zoom, which is amazing.
1: I know, it's incredible, isn't it? And I think that's it. It has been exciting. You know, you see lots of really interesting projects, you know, using these te- technologies just to kind of keep keep going. I've not actually seen that yet. It is on my list to watch because I do I do love both of those actors. So, <laughs> is, that on, is it on Amazon? That.
0: I don't think so. I it's think good. it's coming to Hulu over <laughs> here, but I'm not sure when right and i don't you know beyond that i have no idea but it, you know the the two of them just you know there are little clips around and whatever and there's i discovered it when i stumbled on the one where judy dench bombs their zoom call and <laughs> gives them both what for and i just was like oh yeah i gotta see <laughs> It looks
2: great.
0: i mean they did a very good job of making the whole thing look unscripted but i think that that probably a good chunk of it was improvised, so you know, stands to reason.
1: I have to try and find which which channel it's it, it's on because I saw them when when um, there was a little bit on Twitter. I think when they were doing it, they both tweeted mm-hmm. like and stuff about what they were working on. But but yeah, I've not quite managed to find what which one of our TV things it's on. But I'll I'll definitely tag. I know
0: there are so many now; it's like I keep track. <laughs> So I wanted to go back to something that you said earlier, actually, to kind of combine two things if they combine, like I think they might, because you mentioned your teacher helping you prepare for for drama school auditions. And you also mentioned preparing for auditions in general. And I'm just wondering, you know, what, what was it like getting ready for drama school auditions? What, what were the auditions like? Because it, strikes fear into my heart just thinking about that because i know that's so competitive and then what do you what do you do to prepare now what does that look like for you
1: um i think i think at that point i think because you're kind of starting out i don't think there's as much fear because you're not really aware of how tough it is you know to be at that stage you're just like oh this is you know this this is kind of great and exciting without thinking and really oh there's thousands of people i'm up against and you know not acknowledging the competition mm-hmm. that kind of naivety at the start probably guided me through in terms of my nerves because it was thing it wasn't you know I might sound daft but say like auditioning for rada because it was all new in my head i wasn't thinking Oh, this is Rada, you know. This is <laughs> territory and and Branagh territory, and all these amazing actors that came out of that school. For me, because it was all new, it was just like, oh yeah, this is just a a college that you know we go to and we do do acting stuff. So, so I think the naivety probably at, at the start probably helped me kind of not kind of be be as nervy as I probably,
2: mm-hmm. I
1: probably should. But but I mean, in terms of preparation, my preparation really is. It, is, is kind of just the, it's still the, the same. Although over the years, things have got quicker because you used to, you know, say like learning scripts. Learning. But in saying that, there's sometimes I'll get a script and I'll, it'll be like <laughs> climbing about and, you know, trying to get it into my head. So it's not always as, as clear cut as that. But I think that that like in terms of preparation for, for drama school particularly, um, because I had my fr- this friend helping me. I mean, I was really disciplined about that. That was like every night working on my speeches doing a vocal study breaking the speech down and and just kind of repeat 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 until it was until it was kind of second nature and Mm -hmm. i would and i would say that 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 now preparation wise you know that foundation is still there of, of knowing that it's you know, it's almost never-ending. Your prep could be never-ending. You know, you could forever be, be <laughs> yes. pra- practice, 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 So you do have to say to yourself, and sometimes, right, you know, this, you know, don't, you know, just let it breathe and take a, and take a break. But in terms of my preparation, you know, it always just starts with the, with with the text for me, and that's you know, and I work with the text and try and get under the the pattern of the the you know, the, the breathing pattern that the punctuation might might give me. And then from there, hopefully once the breathing's right, for me, even though this probably sounds a bit actory, but, but the breath for me is so fundamental to the emotion that I always find that if I can breathe, I breathe a passage of text right, then hopefully the emotion and everything all falls into into place. So, so I think it's funny with your prep, because I think, you know, I'm probably... I've probably got half a foot, you know, in Stanislavski half a foot in Michael Chekhov, all these different practitioners that you pick up over the years. But I think eventually you just kind of, using all of those tools, discover your own
2: mm-hmm.
1: your own way. You know, so sometimes I might keep journals for characters, you know, and do a whole biog biograph- of <laughs> where, where my character's been. But I know some people will probably say, well, in terms of the kind of the, the the actual application of performance how relevant is is you know the, the, the daniel day lewis famous story that he built a he built a house for um oh was it the crucible when he was in crucible <laughs> i don't know how true this is but they said that that he built a house from scratch in his character using the tools of the time to get oh, wow in- <laughs> um which i you know that is amazing if that is if that's true because that's kind of just shows the the level of depth but i suppose some people would argue well you know does that really help in terms of you know the the actual delivery of uh, of the text and, and you know and being the character so so yeah so i probably prepare from lots of different lots of different lots of different sources but a lot of it i think i, I always start with the writing, trying try to translate that, or looking at the punctuation, the rhythm that the writer's given me, and then just try and breathe that so that hopefully it'll free the right, you know, the right the right emotion. So so I think that's a lot of how I work now. Um where obviously going back then was just trying to trying to perform it well, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, But when you're back when you're a bit younger, all you think about is I've got to be good you know it's right. good and then you kind of get to a point where where you realize that that actually that's not within my power you know i could think i'm delivering the greatest hamlet and the critics could say you know, <laughs> half a half a star you're, you're you're useless so so i think i think that would be the main differences is that probably i'm less obsessed with trying to be good that i that i was when i was you know, sort mm-hmm.
2: of thing,
1: and, 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 and trying, and, um, you know, because it's, you know, such a performance. It's, you, you know, it's your audience that are going to gonna decide, you know, at any, right. at any step, and nothing, no matter how much you've prepared, can kind of, you know, I feel sorry sometimes, you know, you go and see these great plays, and then you see a review, and you think, oh, my God, you know, that must be awful after, you know, 12 weeks rehearsal and all this time, <laughs> you money. Know, You know, and they're working their socks off. You know, nobody, I imagine, enters into anything you do thinking, oh, I'm going to make this the worst.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah, nobody does.
1: (laughs) The worst performance. But it's so subjective that I think that as I've got older, I've kind of tried to get rid of that outside voice that says, "Uh, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be the best. You've got to be, you know, I just try and do as much work, prepare as much as I can. And then hopefully... You know that carries that that will that carries me through but but yeah it's a funny old strange profession (laughs) (laughs) you know when you stop to talk about it you know what i mean it's like you know i don't think it's very often that i actually even think about it for myself and think oh what what do i actually do when i'm doing it (laughs)
0: well, once something becomes second nature, I think it's much you know, if you had to break it down for somebody, it would be much harder than when you're getting to that second nature point
2: Mm.
0: where you could say, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. But once it ends up ingrained to to break it down again, at least I find can be really hard. You know, there are things that I do that people say to me, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know, I just do it.
1: Just do it, yeah. Which is
0: the least helpful answer ever.
1: And I I think as well. I think I think when I was younger, you know, I think I think the most important thing for me now when I do it is that is that it's got to be fun. You know, I've got to I've got to enjoy it. And I don't know whether all people who attempt acting at some point go through this thing where they feel that it's got to be a torturous. You know, you've got to be this tortured soul to (laughs) you know to kind of enjoy the the performance of it. So I think that's the difference is is that. Is that now? I very much, you know. Hopefully, the projects that I do, I really, really enjoy. And that little, oh, I'm a torture, you know, a serious actor, bit a guy. You know, I've kind of got rid of that now. And I think that, and I think that's a key thing, you know, with any of it is just, is just, it's, it's got to be fun because I think if it's, you know, even if you're playing a murderer, it's got to be the, you know, you've got to have the fun in that because. Because I think the audience, your audience will always, you know, nobody wants to watch a tortured soul for right. three hours. You know, they want to share in that excitement and the enjoyment, I think, and the fun of the, uh, that creative process. You know, you know. So, so I think that's interesting. You know, when you look at some actors who put themselves through absolute hell to kind of allow themselves to say, I'm an actor, you know find <laughs> mm-hmm. it do, do find it really the whole aspect of it really interesting, but I think yeah I think I think enjoying it now is is really key key for me whatever whatever part I'm looking at, whether that's something you know not a very nice character or a nice character, you know it's it's finding that that little bit of fun and fun and enjoyment in in there I think. If that makes any sense,
0: <laughs> it makes complete sense to me. I mean, I I think there's a lot of truth to the idea that if you're not having fun, nobody else is going to have fun with whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. You know, if you're torturing yourself to write a song, you might manage to write a beautiful song, but it you know the torture part is probably going to come through somehow. You know, somebody's going to pick up on that. And I've I've said many times to people on this podcast before, you know, if you're not having fun writing the thing you're writing. Or playing the part you're playing, or or whatever. Nobody's gonna have any fun reading it. Nobody's gonna have any fun watching it. They're just gonna stand there and, like you said, you know, they're going, "Oh my god, that guy is tortured. What's
2: wrong?" <laughs>
0: Which is not what you're going for. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think there's absolute truth in that. That that you need to have fun with it. And and I'm remembering as you're talking that, and it's funny because I have googled for this and have not been able to find it yet. But I would swear to you that okay I'm not gonna guesstimate how many years this was because I don't want to think about it but but back around the time of like the last Police album or Sting's first solo album I remember reading an interview with him that like I said I can't find so (laughs) it's possible I dreamed this but I don't think I did where he said something like pain is essential and if you haven't got any pain you have to go out and get some And so it probably went with King of Pain or something. Um, And, and, you know, I was like 13, maybe. So I took this very seriously. Here's this guy. He's saying this thing. He must know what he's talking about, right? And Lord knows, Sting was writing great stuff back then. Yeah. So maybe I'm not entirely right about the whole pain versus fun thing. But... (laughs) just within the last five or ten years I read another interview with him where he said you know I used to think that you had to have pain for everything now I think I have no idea what I was thinking that was stupid (laughs) (laughs) so so I think there's something about you know what you learn as you get older that goes with that too that you know you were more likely to take it super seriously when you're younger because you think that you have to take everything seriously and as you get older you just kind of go yeah whatever
2: yeah it's funny have fun with it yeah definitely
1: that's that's nice but yeah but maybe it's just a growing up you know like say a growing up thing that you know you get to a point and you think oh well this torturing myself was it you know was it was it necessary could could I have have, like still played that part had I have not you know without Mm -hmm. uh, you know trying to discover the inner the inner turmoil you know (laughs) can can I just enjoy this and act you know and and just act it and, and have fun um so, yeah, so maybe, maybe Sting's right. Maybe it is isn't. <laughs> maybe it's just we all have to go through.
0: Yeah, it's I kind of think there step. may be a thing like
1: that.
2: Yeah,
1: maybe it's a discovery, a disc- step of discovery on your journey, you know, on your journey to, mm-hmm. to being creative. Maybe I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. And there, there's also something that was coming to mind as you were talking earlier that I want to make sure I don't forget. When you mentioned punctuation, yeah as as someone who writes and used to teach English and tutor English and writing I think punctuation is you know this overlooked thing Mm. especially now if you look at Twitter or text messaging or the internet in general you know a lot of punctuation is just gone (laughs) but about 20 years ago I went to a workshop just here in town and it It was with a woman named Anne Ochio who was with a theater company somewhere out in the Midwest, and she had done a ton of Shakespeare. And the thing that really struck me was that she was talking about how the punctuation in Shakespeare literally tells you how to read something, which just completely blew me away. Because even though, you know, I majored in English, I had already written a bunch of stuff, even though no one will ever see it um at that point. It just had not occurred to me that that something as basic as punctuation could literally tell you how to say a word or a line. Yeah. And so I'm I'm just wondering, you know, what do you what do you do with with punctuation?
1: Well, what what I always try to do is is breathe to the punctuation. So I've not I've not got a script included to me, but but say, for example, you you take something like "to be or not to be." Mm-hmm. That is the question, and and I suppose it's probably fair to say that as humans, we only take in enough oxygen for that thought, don't we? We 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 are very rarely run out. You know, we might occasionally run out of breath, but it's not you taking some breath, say what you're going to say, and then your your lungs are still still full. So the idea for me would be to take To be and just try and get enough breath, breathe again and allow that. So, where the comma is or where the the break is, is to take a breath there to take me in or not to be. And then a breath where that's broken, that is the question. And then in the next line, you get a much longer breath. So, you'd get three short sections, which, if you're breathing quickly, I suppose you might be able to say, well, you're in a heightened state. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts your mind's changing rapidly so so I would try and breathe each of those sections because then you get a very very short to be or not to be that is the question and then you get a much longer phrase whether it is nobler in the mind to so you know so mm-hmm. so I always find that using the punctuation and the breath allows you to discover the the the, the psychological state of the character because you know if they're if they're long you know drawn out sentences you can you can I don't know you just start to to hopefully feel the the rhythm of a of a person as opposed to you know maybe you know that I have done on on my you know you take a piece of text and you say right how do I make this really good you know and you can kind (laughs) of ignore ignore a lot of the you know, particularly like say with Shakespeare, it you know, he, I think he writes for actors in such a such a superb way that he almost, do you know almost Josephine mean? he gives you the instructions to to perform it like like you were saying that lady said. So so I always whether it's modern text or you know, or or classical text like Shakespeare, I try and just match my breathing so that so that I'll take, you know, a half breath on a you know simplifying it it, but you know a short breath on a comma a full stop change thought and a new breath on the on the new thought and then eventually hopefully you can kind of start to feel to to feel the mindset of 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 the character so so that's how i would how, how i would work and i think it's interesting that that You know, I always ask myself, do people actually... When an audience is watching something, are we reacting to the sound or Mm. are we interpreting... Interpreting, sorry, interpreting, that's terrible. Interpreting, (laughs) you know, the, the words literally as we watch and what is it that makes me have an emotional reaction or connection? So I kind of... So when I'm working with text, you know, I I do sometimes wonder whether it's more about the sound we're making. And obviously, you know, it's language is shaped sounds. But, you know, I often think that sound is so even without the use of words sometimes, you know, it's like if you I don't know, I always use this with students, but you know, if we all bash our thumb with a hammer, we're all pretty much gonna make the same sound. Or mm-hmm. if you've got a dog or a or a child or something that hasn't necessarily got formed language we still understand from the sounds that they make the emotional state so we know when our dog's hungry or you know so really when i look at text i try and and that's why i always try and come to the breath and the and the punctuation of it is because hopefully by breathing it right we'll unlock the right the right sounds and the right length of that mm-hmm. maybe or 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 give me the right placement of the you know like the the, the harshness of a, of a, con, a consonant sound might might make so i just find it's just more of a a kind of a liberating way to work and, and, it, and it's scary because i suppose you're even though i do text analysis and i do sit down and say right okay what exactly does this mean i think it's a much more liberating way to work because you almost discover it, you're allowing yourself to discover the language as sound, rather than from more of a um, intellectual actual mm-hmm. viewpoint. And and again, be, and because acting, you know, really we're observing human emotion. You know, for me, that always I always think that the breath is the, You know, the breath is the key. Is is always a fundamental. Because we, you know, sound stupid, but we all breathe, you know, right. <clears throat> and we all we all make, and we, and, and we all, you know, we all make, you know. There's a, there's a kind of a uniformality sometimes in the way sounds people will, you know, it's really people have pleasure or pain or
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: identifiable. So so that's why I always try and treat the, the punctuation with with a little bit of respect in terms of allowing myself just to breathe breathe to the commas you know full breath on a full stop into the next internet into the next thought um so i hope that answers the question <laughs> yeah no it, it's it's very fine. interesting
2: <laughs> you
0: know because like as a choral singer <clears throat> a lot of the time it's kind of the same thing you know and a conductor will say ignore this comma do not breathe where you see this comma because it's natural to do that when you're yeah. singing but also, I mean, I, I'm so intrigued by the idea now of do we respond to the sound or the words or the visual or, you know, and I have to think that on some level, it's it's a combination of the three. Yeah. But, you know, there's that improv exercise where your lines are all gibberish.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so
0: you have no words and you're trying to convey whatever it is that that your setup is yeah. with just you know, strange noises, because that's all you have, or the same word over and over again, or or whatever. It's it's really interesting to think of it in in those terms of, you know, how do you get these things across, which makes me wonder how we do that just in ordinary conversation that we don't even notice. Like, we yeah. don't notice punctuation, and we don't notice breath.
1: No. Yeah. Because yeah. we, we just do it automatically, don't we? And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's the interesting thing with, with acting, is, is that, you know, you, you have to almost try to break down all these processes that we just do and take for granted yeah and then to recreate them as if you and I were having this conversation now mm-hmm. so it's all a bit of a cra. you know I always think this is daft just learn it, it. You know, <laughs> part of me thinks just learn it and say it who's who's gonna care you know but but part of me really enjoys the kind of the, you know the ideas behind you know that mm-hmm. practitioners bring to the table so you know, so a lot of this—I think a lot of this breathing stuff really came from, you know, one of my first voice, voice tutors when I was at, when I was at drama school. You know, when approaching Shakespeare, and again, I think certain things you learn, you adopt and and keep with you, and then other things that don't work for you, you just you just throw out, don't you? But but I do um, I do like the technical aspect of acting as well. I find that quite quite exciting. You know, what makes a great piece of performance it just you know it really intrigued you know and I think of you know you think of actor you know you think of somebody like Olivier who was you know thought of as the world's greatest actor but probably wouldn't wouldn't get away with his style of performance you know in today in as we are today right and I often think you know is it you know when you think of famous actors and they can be famous for what but for a number of reasons you know but hopefully it's because they're they're gifted at what at what, mm-hmm. whether well, you know whether you're a musician or you know. Hopefully, it's because they are. And I do often think, particularly when I work with student actors, you know, is is it just something that you're born with, mm-hmm. or is there a process by which you can learn those skills to be just as good as the the actor that they're just saying, oh, you know, this this person's born born with this gift so so I think that's what attracts me to all the the technical aspect is 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 it only a gift that you know the heavens or whoever has given you or right. can you can you learn this you know is 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 there a formula to it that you know if we put all the right components in mm-hmm. I, you know one I can create a student Olivier, or or, or, <laughs> or Kenneth Branagh, or or whoever you know, and, and I think that's what 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 always draws me back to 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 acting is 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 that constant question of is is this just are there just some people born with it or can we can we learn it mm-hmm. and, and practice it and you know because I suppose it's a strange thing because I suppose. You know, you often hear that analogy that they say, "Oh, well, you know, you know, you are your, you are your instrument." You know, they say, you know, so I will often say to my, you know, my, you know, pe- students, you know, I say, you know, if you're a guitarist, you pick the guitar up every day and you play it. I said, but as actors, it's a, it's a much stranger thing to get your head around, which is what, you know, <laughs> this instrument that I'm meant to play. You know, mm-hmm. to, what's the, what's the, the formula? to 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 create that, that 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 kind of definitive definitive performance and then, and then I get into well that will only last then for you know is it, it can you recreate that and and uh, you know especially when you're repeating performances in a play you know I start right. and then I go well you know yeah does it come back to you? you've just got to be naturally gift it you know it always brings me back to those to those two questions which is is it something is talent just something that that if you're lucky enough to be given to be given it you've got it or can can you really just look you know can you learn it like you would learn a,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: learn a guitar or something so so yeah so so I'm always I'm 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 often fascinated with with, with all with all right. those sort of things, which which probably sounds crazy, but I probably am a bit obsessed with the, the idea of of acting and what and what makes an actor. It's it's something that I you know, or an actress, you know, it's, it's just I, I I always come back to that same that same question all the time.
0: Have there been students that you thought were naturally gifted that turned out not to be as good as you expected, or vice versa?
1: Um, I, I suppose we've been we've been lucky over the years that so a lot of our a lot of our students that have really stuck with it have kind of gone off to you know good drama schools. Mm-hmm. And um, fully enough, one of one of my uh, one of the lads that I used to that I used to teach, I bumped into his mum, and he's he, he's just finished Guildhall, and he he was working on something with David Tennant.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, wow, that's that's, that's wow. Amazing you know, go go you, that's brilliant, and um so I think with with some of the students, I mean obviously it, they everybody works hard, but I think the ones who kind of get to an age and think, do you know what I really want to have a go at this and have chosen it as a profession to train um have all got into college so so I so I suppose it, it you know in that respect the the ones. Yeah, they've, they've they've done good, you know what I mean. And it, and mm-hmm. it seems that, that that the actors will either want drama school and want to do it as a profession, or they'll just kind of go off and do and do something else. You know, I don't think we've ever had an actor that's gone on to take it the next step further and hasn't hasn't kind of got to the next point of their their training. So so yeah, so it's been so yeah, that's, that's it's been really really interesting to see them you know apply this process and and kind of hopefully take it take it further Um, but yeah that was amazing yeah David Tennant I was like you're a lucky boy (laughs) (laughs) really yeah he's doing really well so so yeah so it's so yeah we're pleased with that that's been nice
0: that's great though I know you've also come to the conclusion that drama school is not necessarily a requirement yeah and i know like i've i've heard the story of how peter capaldi landed in local hero was just that some guy walked up to him when he was out with his friends and basically asked him if he wanted to do it so he's certainly an example of not necessarily needing to go to drama school and i'm just wondering what you have noticed about
1: that i i think with drama school um I mean, obviously, these, uh, these places are great. You know, you, you're getting your voice work, you're done. you know, all the, all the components that, that you need, you know, you're training on for three years. And I think that the opportunity that, the, you know, the bigger colleges give you upon graduation with your showcase, mm-hmm. you know, direct link to agents, you know, of course, you're going to stand a better chance if you're graduating rather than if you're, I don't know, coming out of some unknown. Mm-hmm. On so I think they do have their merits in terms of what they're teaching the actors about the profession, and the, you know, and and, and, and the vocal training, movement training, all the different texts you look at. I think it does give you a really good grounding in in, the, in, in across the board, and those opportunities of upon graduation. But I don't know if if it's the only route because when I was younger I was kind of taught that that was my only way into the profession Mm -hmm. so really the looking for work bit even though I'd done a little like I did a little tv thing and I've been on on tour like educational tour and done bits and pieces of of work so I don't think I really acknowledged that I could work as an actor at 15 professionally I think I thought in my head, oh, I've got to go to drama school. I've got to, you know, before I can be an actor, you know, an actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think my opinion on that's changed. I think you know, if uh, I don't think I, because you're always learning, and you use a specific set of tools for the job that that you're working on, and given the fact we've got the internet and all these amazing resources at our fingertips you know you watch the national theater actors online and you know there's so much that we can get online um you know even down to acting acting lessons and all this Mm -hmm. stuff but but really i I just think that that nowadays i probably say i don't believe that it is the only the only route in but i would argue that that getting into the profession it's a good place to get seen because ultimately, and I think this was the thing as well. You know, when I was younger, I don't think I, like I was saying, I don't even think I ever thought about actually working. Mm-hmm. It was just more doing it. You know, I don't even think I acknowledge that somebody might pay me someday. I think I just thought, <laughs> like, oh, I do this acting. So, so I do. <laughs> so I do think my opinion from being younger and thinking this is the be all and end all. Um and I think what changed that for me was was I worked with um I did a production of Dr. Faustus and I worked with a um a, 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 the director was was very much kind of a European European style. So it was a lot of it was masks, so all the other characters were mask characters. And and that kind of took me out of this quite I suppose I don't know whether it's an our English tradition in Wales. Mm-hmm actors and I found that once I kind of experienced working in a in a completely different way you know talking about you know archetypes and mask centers and you you know in, in a more physical way and again I don't know whether that influenced me quite heavily to then kind of think well actually is is this teaching me everything every everything I need so mm. So I find that, and again, from a, you know, from a point of view that I suppose part of me feels as I've got older, that really should that training be only available to the people who can afford it, you know, and 30, you know, on a course, you've probably got say 15, 30 people in a year, maybe. And it just seems as I've got older, I just thought, do you know, is this... You know the drama school route does that miss out on people who, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Who could have been, do you know what I mean? Who could have really shone, but don't have that capacity or finance or right or whatever to get to drama school. So I think there's been lots of things that, as I've got older, that, that have influenced that have influenced us to the pros and the pros and cons of it. But I, I just say to you know any any the actors, young actors I work with, you know, write off, send a tape off,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, connect to a casting director and, and ask them, because, I, you know, I'm always saying to them, because you've got, you know, when I write, as my 46-year-old self, <laughs> you know, they've got hundreds of these people who are like me, all asking for work. But I, I always say to my younger actors, you know, you've got, you know, people love that enthusiasm. And if you're a young actor saying, hey, I don't really know much, but I've really got a passion for this, they're probably going to, you know, take you under your wing a bit and, and will want to, you know, sort of offer you help and guidance. Where, say, over, you know, old man me writing, they're going to go, you know, you should know better. You wait. You you get in line with all the other old guys who've been doing it. and. Um, so I do honestly think that, that, that if you want to act, you should. And again, with the technology, you know, you can make a short film. You can, there's so much that, you know, you can do now. Even scripts or, you know, I used to have to go to a book sh- you know, get all the scripts off the shelf of the bookstore and look for something that was like more than five lines. And, you know, and all, right. all these resources are so available. that, that you know, I just say just start start acting just act every day if you can (laughs) and that's the best way that's you know the best way to learn
0: yeah I think just jump in and do it is often the best advice you can give someone even if you don't know what you're doing just jump in and do it and you'll figure it out over time and you'll meet people who will help you figure it out and yeah
1: it's definitely definitely, that's definitely true you know and I just think as as an actor you know the most when I think about where I've learned most has always been when i'm when i'm working as opposed mm-hmm. to being in a class now obviously in the class i can get all the all the knowledge to practice but i always find that you know by attempting it they're always the ones yeah. that, that i learn the most um so so i do i do think that people want to do it particularly younger people i wouldn't wouldn't necessarily worry if the thought of drama school is, is something that, you know, isn't, isn't on your list. I mm-hmm. do think, given the amount of resources and courses and, and everything available to us, I think you can learn just as much with a couple of Google. <laughs> yeah. You know, or a voice app. I have a voice app now. It's brilliant. You know, recognises me voice and, you know, and I can practice me scales at you know what I mean, even wow. students, you don't even need a tutor. You know, you can do. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. You know, it's it's mind-blowing to think. Oh, I can, I just have these virtual singing lessons on my own. Yeah, without good grief, without going anywhere or a tutor. You know, and, uh, and I, so I do think that it's phenomenal the amount of resources available to well, not only learn acting to kind of learn learn anything now, isn't it? You Mm-hmm. Yes, you really, you don't have to be part of these big institutions to kind of enjoy the, that 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 kind of learning process. Um, you know, even being able to watch, you know, coming back to Olivier, but but you know, because I was doing this Shakespeare, I've been doing a Shakespeare course myself. You know, like just every you week know, mm-hmm. we get to look at some plays and read out loud, and you know, it's been lovely. But even being able to, you know, click on the computer and watch. Olivier right. deliver to be or not to be. You know, I, I mean that in itself is it, is an amazing learning tool. Yes. Or watch Richard Burton or who, 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 whoever. Where you know when I was trying to learn, that would have been a you know, I don't think my local video shop would have had. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably on, not. Probably not even your library. <laughs> <But> do, <laughs> Yeah so I, I just find it sometimes mind blowing that, that we just have access to, to to all these amazing learning tools and mm-hmm. that we can use to our advantage so so yeah so i think to come back to the answer i think i'm 50-50 on and probably somewhere in the middle of his drama school the only way or mm-hmm. can, it, can you can you do it another way
0: All right. So I have very, very badly not left us a whole lot of time to talk about the Minister of Chance, but I do want to do that because I'm just so curious to to know more about it. I know that it spun off of a BBC Doctor Who story from about 20 years ago called Death Comes to Time because Doctor Who is so good at titles like that. <laughs> Yeah. And I know the minister was originally played by Stephen Fry. I have actually heard Death Comes to Time. It's been going on 10 years. And honestly, the only thing I remember is the brigadier showing up at the end at this part because a lot of it confused me. But I loved the idea of a minister of chance. And then I can't remember now if I listened to that because I wanted to listen to Minister of Chance or if, if I found Minister afterwards. But I'm really curious to know how, how that story spun off into its own thing. Where the minister is no longer played by Stephen Fry, but Julian Wadham is amazing, and there are several Doctor Who alums in there, like Sylvester McCoy and Paul McGann, and there's also Jenny Agater and you. <laughs> so, so yeah, I I really I really want to know how this happened.
2: I think
1: I think really I can't remember the, the the space of time between Death Comes to Time and and the minister, but I think that. That from talking to Dan, I think when he wrote Death Comes to Time, I think he wanted that to then kind of...
0: Okay, I didn't realize he had written Death yeah, Comes to
1: Time. Yeah, Dan... Dan
0: okay, Dan, so there's an obvious connection. Yeah,
1: so Dan, Dan wrote and created <laughs> Death Comes to Time, and I think he was at the BBC at that at that time, and, it, and I think it, well, it must have got commissioned, and <clears throat> and he worked on it. So I think there's always been, from that point, I think he to serialize it, and then I think kind of you know i'm 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 sure he sent it off to places and and I think eventually what just happened over the time was I think Dan just saw do you know what i'm gonna I'm gonna kind of produce this myself, you know, and brought in his own producers and 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 then kind of the casting so I think from the initial one um the idea was always to to continue it, but I think it just it just kind of you know, trying to find the right way and the right format and the right place to to the platform to take mm-hmm. that show out take that show out somewhere. I think that's probably my <laughs> explain why why <laughs> why there's a bit of bit of time between the two. But I think Dan's plan was always to was always to sit you know, to serialize it in, in 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 the way that he's done he's done now. Just answer the question? <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> I think so. And I'm realizing too that, you know, because it's been so long since I listened to Death Comes to Time, it is even fuzzier in my head than it probably would be otherwise. And I did just re-listen to Minister yeah. within the last few weeks because I knew I was going to talk to you and I wanted to kind of, it, it took me forever to remember. It wasn't, this is terrible. It wasn't until I got a gym membership and needed something to listen to on the, you know, <laughs> the bike or the rower or whatever that I was like, oh, right, I have all these things that I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably not the ideal place to listen either, except that it very nicely keeps your mind off how many strokes you've done on the rowing machine. <laughs> it's the only way I'd survive. Um, but you know what I remember about Death Comes to Time is that it's a huge story. I listened to it on a road trip in multiple pieces, which probably did not aid my comprehension ability. Um, and, you know, there there are lots of, of interesting and strange and surprising things happening, even from, you know, when you're starting within the Doctor Who universe. Yeah. And it's kind of intriguing to me that that the minister is the character that he seized on to do this with. Mm-hmm. Because there were any number of other things. I mean, there's this whole story where, if I understood correctly it's like the seventh doctor is sort of trying to turn ace into a time lord which i didn't quite get how that would work which i think is probably why i was driving going hmm, what <laughs> <laughs> out of the way you know so that could have been its own story or you know anything could have been it would, do you know if he had always seen this character even you know from the beginning of death comes to time as this needs to be its own thing
2: yeah th- i think i
1: think so with dan i think i think he he. He kind of, I don't know. He kind of seizes on central, you know, a central character or theme that he likes, and then
2: mm-hmm. kind of
1: build, you know, build around that. So I imagine the minister. I couldn't tell you where where that, his idea for the minister came from. Um,
0: You're not in his head. That's but fair. I
1: do, <laughs> but, I, but yeah, I do think that it was something that Dan was very passionate about that about that kind of character leading leading the way because because we always. Has been talk you now about trying to, you know, maybe write the the next, the next kind of second season or or whatever. So hopefully, as well, we'll get to we'll get to do that at some at some point. But but yeah, no, I think I think Dan, um, you know, just gets his inspirations for these kind of characters that are going to lead his stories, and then <laughs> and then goes goes from there. So.
0: That's understandable. I've had that experience. <laughs> but but there was also a campaign to turn it into a movie, or am I misremembering well, that? Because I know, as you said, there was the, the trailer for it. And then I don't think anything else happened with well, it.
1: Well, we made we we filmed four only days. I think we did three or four days um at Little Morton Hall with and we kind of shot a uh, the prologue, the prologue episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Tim McInerney was the king in the live one, and and, and Paul McGann was was Jorian. So we we did create the prologue as a as a film, and that is still there, kind of as uh, you know, as as a as a project. So I think the idea is 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 to try and take all these things, you know, into other
2: mm-hmm. into
1: other formats and other. And I think that's why Dan, um, you know, has been doing the ten minute episodes to try and. You know, finding more, you know, more audience of it. So, so I noting down, I imagine that the idea for the film is, you know, it'll still be there. It's just a case of how and how and when, because obviously, you know, like I don't know. Do you, I Suppose you've got a, the argument of, do you need a, you know, where are we going to show this? Does it only exist on, right? Or, or can we take it to a, take it to a wider? You know, a wider audience, whether it was serialized, but because I think one of the routes we wanted to go down was even, you know, serializing it for television as well. So all those ideas are still, you know, are still are still there as as far as I know. But um, but yeah, no, it was it was really good doing doing those, having that couple of days filming. It was great but that... and stuff. So I think I think that hopefully in the future that will be used as support for you know taking it into a more of a visual a visual medium with the episodes at, at some point because I think ideally Dan would like to have the minister as a tv you know as a
2: mm-hmm. in, in a,
1: a tv series format I think that would probably be the be the ultimate place for it um but yeah so hopefully um you know we'll get to work more more on film as as we as we go on because, like, I say we did. I filmed with Julian. We did like a like a little sizzler reel for the mm-hmm. audio series where we we filmed up in Pepperton and then um, and then we did the the actual prologue film. Um, so I'd like to think that you know when the time's right, Dan would get that chance to you know because I think it'd be great as a TV you know TV series. It'd be fab. Yes, um, and it's so visual and it's you know it just feel when I listen to it, it's just so visual the kind of you know the descriptions of the frost bridge and the marshes and the you know, yes. I just think, oh wow, this would be the big budget <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> and um, you know in a studio somewhere um, it'd be really cool to to make that. Um, so hopefully. You know, in the future, um, we might see might see that happen.
0: <laughs> that would be great. I mean, it it is it is a big. It's interesting because it's really only you know five episodes and a prologue, yeah. and the episodes are each half an hour, forty five yeah. minutes. So it's it's big, but it's not huge. Yes. You know, it's it's not it's not a multi volume set of books. Yes. You know. But it's still it's it's a very big story. And it has, you know, all of this political intrigue and the scientist who has to work on building a a bomb who refuses to work on building a bomb. And and then you have the minister who can move between worlds and he's chasing someone who has the same kind of power that he does. And then, you know, you eventually end up finding out that there's someone else with that kind of power who doesn't know that he has it but he's figuring it out and oh dear god now what um so so it is it's 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 got enormous kind of drama and and themes to it even though it's fairly compact so it would be really interesting to see what would happen with it on screen and in you know larger chunks so you could even explore some of those things more Though I'm sad that Paul Darrow would not be able to be on the cast anymore since he's not with us. But because he's phenomenal, especially toward the end in that Paul Darrow sort of way. Though, the I mean, the whole cast is amazing because how could it not be with with that list of names yeah,
1: the on it? brilliant at, at, at finding actors, I think. I don't know how he does it, but he seems to always have, like, <laughs> just most phenomenal people, you know, you think. I often think, how did you get that actor? Who do, do you know? Or
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. well, Who did you happen to ask at just the right moment?
1: But I think he, he casts really well, Dan, you know, and I, and I think, you know, because for a while, I, I used to think, as my friend, I used to think, why, why, put me in something? You know, and I'd say, why, <laughs> you know, and he'd say, look, when I know there's something that I think is right, I'll let you have it kind of thing. And then, but when you look at the cast that he do, does have, um. You know, I can't think of any other actors playing in those right. roles. I think, yeah, that is a that's a brilliant that's a brilliant choice. Yep, I can kind of see why. You know, and I think that it mm-hmm. works. And I don't know if he does that when he creates a character. Whether um I don't really know if I've spoken about Death come to Time as to which way round he went. You know, did he did he have did he always have Stephen Fry in
2: mm-hmm. mind,
1: and how much did? That, yeah. And how much did that influence the, the, the creation of the, the?
0: Oh, what an excellent. So, so I
1: imagine knowing Dan, he probably. I imagine he visualizes the actor that that he wants, and then and then writes.
0: Well, and I can't lie. I think that's really why I was curious about Death Comes to Time, both because I wanted to know exactly what a Minister of Chance was, and the fact that he was played by Stephen Fry. Yeah. It's like Stephen Fry in Doctor Who as someone called the Minister of Chance. I need to know more about this. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: It's, um, yeah, no, it's it's, it's it's interesting to see to see his cast because, like with the like September, you know, that cast was was all over the. You know, there were people in Norway, people in America. Oh wow! You know, we would we were kind of recording that all remotely, like across, because obviously we couldn't get all the cast because people were working on other things. But mm-hmm. again, you know, you think, you know, like Laura, Laura Coyote was in like September, and you, know, you think, you think God's oh, really quite inspired and inspired the choice. You know, she's kind of perfect for that, and I always think that with Dan when I listen to Dan or so his stuff, I think. Yeah, you're really good at, you're really good at your casting, you you get, (laughs) seem to match the right actor to the role, which, which I think is (laughs) impressive.
0: Well, and I have to think, because part of what I noticed when I was listening again, was just the wordplay in Mm. it, you know, is, is just so phenomenal. There, there are lines, particularly, some of Julian Wadham's lines, but, but certainly not only his, where I just would think, wow, I need to remember that one for future reference. (laughs) I mean, that, that character has a a real talent for the sarcastic put down that almost takes your mind off of how much of a put down it is because you're just sitting there marveling at it. (laughs) So I have to think that if you're fortunate enough to be called to do one of those characters you're just sort of sitting there going wow this is amazing i get to say these phenomenal lines
1: yeah it's only i always i do love working with them and it's strange because it's only it's only about five miles down the road from me it's it's quite weird how all that works, <laughs> works out because he's um he's currently writing a version of, of king arthur at the minute for the stage Ooh. hopefully that's called hold excalibur um, so we were we were looking at taking that to Edinburgh, as, a, as
2: mm-hmm. obviously
1: with the the virus thing, we're not sure. So hopefully there'll be more there'll be more about that as well in the coming months, as as, as, as well as Minister. Great. So that'll be that'll be another exciting thing to to work on.
0: Indeed. Well, I'm wondering. I mean, I'm definitely going to put links in the show notes to Minister of Chance and. And I'm wondering if there's anything that anyone who checks it out and wants to see more of it can do to help it along to its next step.
1: Yeah. I think I think really it's Dan. I think the best place is just Dan's website uh, website because um, from there, uh, that's just the hub really for you know if he's crowdfunding or if he's whatever he's doing to to work his his, his projects. That'll be where everything everything will be on danfreeman.co.uk okay. um, site um, so so hopefully that's the best place to find anything related with <laughs> you know not just
2: already
0: and i think there are links there to light of september too which i haven't listened to yet and want yeah. to yeah so. and
1: there's another cool i don't know if he's got Fantastica zinc Fantastica zinc Fantastic i think that's how you say it is another one of dance uh, audios. And that I think there's a link on his website to that. might be. To, All right. That's really cool.
0: We'll have to check that one out too. That's our show for this week. My thanks to Richard Oliver for joining me and to you for listening. If you know someone who might enjoy this episode, please do share it with them. Thanks so much. You can find show notes, the six creative beliefs that are screwing you up, and more at fycuriosity.com. I'd also love for you to join the conversation on Instagram. You'll find me at fycuriosity. Follow Your Curiosity is produced by me, Nancy Norbeck, with music by Joseph McDade. If you like Follow Your Curiosity, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends. It really helps me reach new listeners. See you next time.